when leaders find peace of mind and they find that kind of calmness, I think they become much better leaders. We don't want to follow people that constantly put a shock into the organization. It's really our job to create this workplace that's very safe, place where everybody support each other, but also where it's okay to make mistakes. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Real quick note, my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with UnCruise. Now, we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people, and frankly, it just wasn't for us. But this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails, and we received incredibly personalized service, guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no lines. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked UnCruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleads.com slash cruise. That's benleads.com slash cruise for the latest deals. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I've got a treat coming for you. Karsten Brun, who is the president and CEO of Rico North America. Yes, that Rico. They're a leading provider of integrated digital services and print and imaging solutions. Their team in North America of over 14,000 employees create a competitive advantage for over 1.4 million businesses, including 84% of the Fortune 500. Now back to Karsten. He's known as an authentic, humble servant leader who is passionate about creating a thriving culture for all team members. He's also described as a global citizen, bringing more than 20 years of experience from around the world which we'll dive into today. And this includes having lived and worked in Great Britain, Denmark, Japan, and now in the U.S. as the CEO. Karsten, welcome to Lead the Team, sir. Hey, Ben, thank you very much for having me. And what a wonderful introduction. I really appreciate it. And, you know, thank you very much for inviting me. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, it's hard to trim it down to the highlights, but I hope I hit them for you. Now, what is an early leadership lesson that shaped your career? Well, Ben, first of all, you know, there's been many, hasn't there? You know, I think we'll keep learning until we retire and still when we retire, <laughs> we'll reflect back and think about, wow, could have done a few things differently. But there's always one that I tell as a more like a storytelling because it, it was very critical to me and I didn't realize it at the moment, but it was actually on a leadership training where it was kind of how, you know, how can you become a better leader and all this? and one of the programs they did, and nobody realized what was the end goal of this, was they gave you a set of cards, and it was a challenge about how to actually set up a company. And you had to put the mm -hmm. cards in the right order. 
And, you know, I put my cards down, put it in an envelope. I thought that was all about the exercise, but then they put us in a small group with, I think, six people. And I was kind of told that, you know, the objective of this is to go in there and reach consensus on what's the perfect way of putting the sets of cards so this company would survive. Hmm. And um, reflecting on it, and afterwards watching a video, but because it was all recorded, I saw myself stood up trying to kind of force through the way my cards was laid. And there was one single individual who didn't say anything in the room. And I became quite, you know, direct with everybody and influenced everybody. And at the end, I managed to convince everybody that the way I felt the cards should be laid down was right. Mm. And when we presented it back to the trainers and all this, they said this company would go bankrupt within four months. And then everybody in the group would show the cards that they have laid out. And the person who said nothing in the meeting was the only one who had put it right. And for me, the big lesson mm. was going forward, the rest of my career path was maybe I need to become a better listener and create an environment that's very inclusive and always pay attention to the quiet ones mm. because it's not everybody who speak up their mind. And I think it's very important we as leaders also create that environment where everybody feel very safe and have this opportunity to actually speak out their mind. And it was just a big lesson, a massive embarrassing moment, as you can imagine, when you watch this recording <laughs> and you see yourself up there trying oh. to be, I wouldn't even call it influential. I would call it quite, you know, manipulative nearly. So it was just lesson learned for me. and. I could give you many, many examples, I think, but this one was one of those that later on in my life, when I look back, how many times I've watched in a meeting someone being quiet and, and suddenly ask them to you know, share their view on a certain topic and magic happens. So create an environment where everybody's safe, and I'm sure we'll talk about that today, that you know what we call our culture of excellence in North America, that's what it's all about. Have that inclusivity. But more importantly, create that safe space where you're allowed to speak out your mind. I love that example. What a humbling experience. And sometimes that's what it takes to shake us and watch or watch <laughs> ourselves back on video. Like, oh my God, I see what's happening. Oh, it still hurts. It still, still hurts. It, it doesn't feel very leadery to sit there and be listening to everybody. It feels more like a leader if you're, okay, we're in here. It's almost like treating like a crisis situation and we've got to take action and I'm going to persuade everybody and we're going to drive forward and we're going to succeed. And I think that is the glorified sort of wartime leader that we see in the movies and that we, you know, it's very, feels sort of like a Jack Welch kind of moment. And I've interviewed think, a lot of people think, that were for Jack Welch and that was, and that's kind of how he rolled. That was kind of the profile, I guess, in the past, and some of it worked yeah. very well in all this, but I think especially after the pandemic, it, it servant leadership is now something that's critical. And I love, you know, Simon Sinek, if you know the... Oh, yeah. And now he talks a lot about eaters, they eat last. Leaders eat last. You know, and for me, it's kind of, you could translate that to leaders should speak last. So big lesson learned there, but, you know, it doesn't... Yeah. I don't mind sharing because I think we all have to also 
accept our failures and not look at it as a failure, but actually that's how we grow. Yeah. We had a uh, David Cody, former legendary. Well, he's he's a legend in my mind, but he's a former CEO of Honeywell, and he he told kind of along those lines. He said when he was having a staff meeting, he'd always ask the opinion of the most junior person in the room first, because if they didn't speak up first, they would just get in line with whatever the executives around would say. And he was mm-hmm. always trying to. It seems like a similar philosophy to what you're saying there, Arston. That trying to let everybody be heard, but also it's, you got to get the right order and when you got to understand the right way to really extract that message. And that's what, true. What's been the result? So you, so you go to this, I'll say brutal training. You have to watch yourself and do all this. You have this epiphany. What did you notice changed afterwards for you? You know, I I would say, you know, a lot of things changed over your lifetime as a leader and all this. But I think that one specific example combined with, especially I, I over the years have worked with a mindfulness trainer that I also brought to North America. And it's really about just finding peace with yourself. Mm. And for me, the moment you do that, it, it kind of makes you a very different person because when you have peace with yourself, and you accept who you are for your failures, for whatever. But, you know, because nobody's perfect. But when you find peace of yourself, I believe there's much more room for then also support other people and take them on a journey with you. Because I think you become extremely authentic. You become real when you communicate. And so I would say it's not only the training, it's the global journey I've been on in my introduction. You talked about moving from Denmark to England, to Japan, to U.S., I'm a global citizen and I work now in this global environment and I just truly love different cultures. And and I think we need to respect that and we should embrace that. So for me, all that has really taught me just be a bit more humble and and somehow include everybody's opinion. At the end of the day, sometimes as a leader, we have to make decisions because you sometimes need a referee. But I think it's very, very important we make decisions not based on you need to know the answers. And I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned was don't predict the answer. Let the answers come to you. And the only way the answers can come to you is you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you go out there and you, mm-hmm. you seek advice. And, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm sure we'll talk about it later on. But the way I'm trying to work in North America in an environment where I'm connecting with as many employees that's possible for me by using different kind of tools and applications. But that's really for me to reach out to everybody and listen. And you know what? Every time I do that, suddenly there's some answers coming to me. I think the biggest mistake by many leaders is they want to be seen as they know the answer. It's okay to say we don't know and let it come to you, but you then need to be very vulnerable, yeah? Definitely a different perspective on leadership and refreshing for a lot of employees who, I mean, we're, we're just not, so we're not as a world, we're not surrounded by political leaders that take that approach. They, you know, we're not going to change into politics today, but it's, but it's a different really twist on things. And I want to get into that, but I want to rewind a little bit. You said you really caught me at mindfulness trainer. I love <laughs> this kind of stuff. So okay. What is a mindfulness trainer and what has the benefit been to you? 
you know, first let me share with you, Ben, that I, you know, at the stage in my life, I'm not so many years away from maybe slow down a little bit. You know, I, I have a job to do in North America. I'm not leaving tomorrow, but I'm still every day now, I'm traveling into Brooklyn every Saturday and I still do martial arts. So that, in my opinion, is so much connected also to um, kind of meditation. And I, you know, meditation can be many things, you know, People think you need to sit down and do yoga and all this. Just a walk on the street and forget the world and just watch people and the nature. For me, that's meditation. When I go to my martial art or when I go to the gym, that's my meditation. But when you talk specifically about mindfulness, I just believe in it in the sense of trying to really help individuals to understand who they are and why they react to things differently. You know, when, when I went through my journey with, with all this, I came from a quite unique upbringing, and I don't want to go into that detail today, but, you know, I lived alone quite early in my life, and um, it kind of formed me to who I was. And I actually believe my example early on where I stood up very forceful and said, this is the way the car should be laid was maybe a very defensive kind of mechanism I have naturally put up there to just protect myself, yeah. where what I think mindfulness did to me was I, I kind of accepted who I am and, you know, mm -hmm. what I've become. And the moment you do that, you become much more, again, authentic. I think you become more approachable for employees also. But the most important thing, and I may repeat it many times today, is when leaders find peace of mind and they find that kind of calmness, I think they become much better leaders. Because, you know, we, we don't want to follow people that constantly put a shock into the organization or create too much drama. It's really our job to create this workplace that's very safe, place where everybody support each other, but also where it's okay to make mistakes. And I, I don't like the word mistakes, by the way. I, I always call it don't waste a failure, yeah? Some of the greatest innovations was done by kind of mistakes, you could argue, yeah? Mm. So mindfulness, it's just made for me, in my opinion, given me a better life. And I just hope the people who works around me also can see it and, and feel it more easy to kind of sit and have a conversation with me. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> it sounds like we all need to be thinking about mindfulness. It's certainly part of my focus, but it hasn't always been. And I'm curious from your standpoint, if you've got a CEO listening out there or someone, you know, anywhere in the organization that's curious about mindfulness, what would be a first set that you'd recommend for their exploration? Wow, that's a big question to say. But I would say it, it's really about, first of all, give yourself some space. You have a lot of leaders who will proudly tell you they got this very busy calendar every day from eight till six o'clock in the evening and, and they they don't have a break to kind of reflect and pause a little bit the human nature is not really made to run on on full power all the time mm. and what mindfulness really teach you a little bit is it's just taking that moment it's just taking that moment to reflect a little bit and you know don't sit at that desk those many hours every day and i'm sure a lot of ceos got better answers than i have but what i do is just sometimes e even like I love this morning how I got to work, you know, on a on a boat sailing up to New York and, and walk through New York and just watch people instead of 
rush in a car and no, I get up at the, at early enough so I can quietly just get myself ready in the day, have my breakfast and just take the time and then I get started. So I think mindfulness mm-hmm. or, you know, mean different things to different people. But for me, again, the world now is just running at a pace that's very, very challenging for every individual. You know, I heard the other day someone telling me this new generation called the AI generation. I'm like, whoa, no, that's a new generation. But to kind of follow that page, you really need to sometimes just switch off and then connect with people and and just relax. Find something that makes your brain totally switch off and not think work. Because today with all these, you know, gadgets we all have here, we don't really disconnect. I don't call it work-life balance anymore. I call it work-life harmony. How do you figure out to then live in that world where you don't really disconnect? Some people are very good at it. That's one of my weaknesses. I still struggle to disconnect a little bit from all this technology. Yeah, it's refreshing to hear a, gl- a global-minded, like you say, global citizen of the world, CEO of a company that's around the clock because you've got, you all have got to work, you know, people working around the globe, and yet you're still making time for it. And if a CEO doing what you're doing can make time for it, what I'm hoping for leaders out there is he's living mm-hmm. proof that you can do it too. If we've got some intention. For me, it's tough. It's really tough to find that time. I often find Friday morning is a good moment for mm-hmm. me. And I love it too because I do, I do reflection. And if there's something that I haven't taken care of during the week, I'm like, I still have a little time Friday afternoon to knock it out that I wanted to do. Yeah. And I think about the week ahead. But just whatever it happens to be, you know, for the leaders out there, I just, I mean, make some time. Is there a certain time of day that you do or a certain time of week that is that consistency for you to give you that reflective mindfulness time? Yeah, well, maybe the most important thing for me is I'm still kind of a health freak. So... <laughs> I'm in the gym very early in the morning. And I would say that time is where I'm also just kind of preparing myself. I get the oxygen to the brain, but I just love walking like in the weekends, you know, with my wife and I, you know, walk in New York. And I don't know why I'm talking to too many people. She gets embarrassed, but, you know, I just love (laughs) practicing with people. Talking to strangers in New York, sometimes they look at you funny, right? (laughs) Unless, Unless they know you're a tourist. Yeah. If they know you're a tourist, they'll talk to you. No, they're wonderful. <laughs> I have to tell you, I have to say, we've been now here in the U.S. for two and a half years. And I would call it North America. I'm also responsible for Canada, and I'm very proud mm-hmm. of working with them up in Canada. But mm-hmm. the way everybody has welcomed me here is, is just not only the employees, just the whole culture and society. It's just something I'm very grateful for. Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? Then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts that have Netflix accounts, and one-third of the U.S. population listens to podcasts regularly. So your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com slash schedule. That's benleads.com slash schedule. Well, speaking of health, speaking of mindfulness, let's talk about a time when your metal was tested, COVID. What was it like 
for you going through that as a global leader? And what did you learn from it? I think what was very interesting to me was, I think before COVID, I had rarely worked from home. And also, I am what you would call an extreme extrovert. So I need to get out. <laughs> I need to get out there and steal your energy and, and kind of connect with people. So the first thing I learned was that was a little bit of a challenge for me. But at that time, we were living in, in, in London, you know, in a house there. And Caroline and Sebastian, my, my children, together with Henrietta, my wife, we were together. And what a great time, by the way, suddenly be together with your family again and you just go upstairs and work. But then I got the phone call. And would you please fly to North America and run this business? So I landed in the middle of COVID here. In New York, which was in a terrible kind of bind during COVID it, specifically. It was, of course, in a challenging environment and all this. But, but what we did and what I did was it made me realize the importance of connecting, of course, with the employees. But it had to be done differently. Yeah. And the way we kind of did it was a lot of it just, and that was the moment where I realized priority number one now is culture. Strategy has to come a little bit behind this when I now came here, but I had to make sure I really created a culture where, you know, I call it where everybody can be their true self or everybody matters. But the culture was really about having that growth mindset, step out of that comfort mm. zone. We are in a challenging environment right now. What I then did was I immediately start doing uh, what we would call the Monday Minute. And I would record myself, look funny in a gym and just talk about mental health to kind of post that video every Monday morning. And I did that during COVID and actually continued afterwards for 12 months. And the video would just be a message for me. And I was very, not purposely, but I was not trying to make itself look good or whatever. I would I would do the recordings wherever I was. A little bit late on, you could travel. You know, I remember I was at a wedding in, in Ireland and I posted a little bit back in the garden. They could hear the music and the way the employees just joined in and wrote to me and really a different way of connecting. And then we also did, and I still do that, something called Coffee with Carsten. So every week we pick randomly 10 employees that I just spent half an hour with. They open up, they introduce themselves, and, and we just have a very good conversation. And, and I never thought about it like being the undercover CEO, but I tell you what I'm learning from these frontline, a lot of the frontline employees that, you know, 14,000 plus employees, some I may never would meet simply because of, you know, it's a big country and you don't connect with everybody every day. But since then, I'm getting close to 1,000 people that I have now met on Coffee with Carsten. And I had one, you know, earlier this week. And what I learned is just incredible. And what I'm so proud about, Ben, is they bring up topics that you would maybe as an employee find uncomfortable to share with the CEO. But they're bringing up all kinds of topics, meaning that culture I wanted to build here where, you know, we're all kind of all in it together and they mm. just share things. But the way they shared with me is not in a negative way or cynical way. They really just want to share with me because they care. And I just really appreciate it. And, and the last thing I'll share with you, what it really triggered was, and we, I still do that. And that's kind of how I always live and how I speak, like talking to you now. I'm never really scripted. 
So sometimes the, our corporate comms people get nervous, yeah. But <laughs> but <Yeah>. do we do <laughs> a town hall where I just speak my mind for a while and I I, I just want to reach out to all our employees and it's just created an environment when I'm also traveling. You know, when I meet some of our customers where I feel like, you know what, this gentleman or lady got the same values that I have and the company they work for got the same values as Rico. Then I do kind of a five minutes recording where I just ask them, do you mind we just do a little conversation on my iPhone? And we post it on what we call Carsten's Corner. And it's really a way of just showing our employees how grateful our customers they are for what they do. You know, we have more than... 6,000 employees working on site with customers every day. They never went home during COVID. And I think they are just incredible in what they've done and the feedback from customers. So I think COVID was challenging. It taught us that there's so many ways to connect with employees that we never did before COVID. And I'm like, why didn't we do that? You know, COVID really taught me that many, many ways you can now connect with employees remotely. But I think the most important thing is you have to be authentic. Otherwise, you won't work. And the feedback we have got from the Monday Minute, the town halls, it's really working. And, and again, I keep repeating culture of excellence, but creating that culture, those kind of, I would call them tools, a way of connecting has really worked for us. Man, I, I got chills about three times. And I think a couple of things that come up for me, man, is um, one, one of the greatest risks to any organization is having everybody disconnected. You got people doing their jobs, but they don't know each other. They don't know the leaders. They don't care about the leaders. And the fact that you're willing to, I'll say, lead with your humanity and not by making like huge proclamations from the ivory tower, you know, you're doing a one minute a day, just raw talking to people, letting them see, hey, my my CEO is a human. He's <laughs> doing interesting things. He's out in the war. You know, we're, he's just a regular person. Yeah. And I suspect when you go on site and they've already watched those, those minutes, they feel like they know you. It, it accelerates your employee connection with anybody you meet because they've already seen you they know a little bit about you versus oh my god here's this who is the you know what does the ceo even look like and he's on site no you come on they've seen you they know you and uh it i mean you got fourteen thousand employees around the around north america you've got to find some stickiness and there's got to be more yeah. than a paycheck no, it's it's but it's also a credit to them because you know you need them to join you on that journey. And I want to give you a real example. Not long time yeah. ago, I had a coffee with Carsten, and you know, I come in. I honestly see when I work with my mindfulness trainer, the the gentleman we brought over here, we always talk about stay above the line, not below the line. So, you know, always have that positive mindset. Of course, that you know, I have days where I resign in the morning and I reapply for my job in the evening because that's just human nature, yeah. But I was on a coffee with Carsten and I'm talking to people. I got my energy, and someone raised their hand on a Teams call, and I said, "Hey, what do you want to say?" And and he said, "Hey, how are you doing, Carsten?" Hmm. 
And that moment was, I needed just to get myself together here because you put yourself so much into it. And when somebody genuinely look at you and say, how are you doing? Because there's many ways you can say, how are you doing? Mm. It just made me choke for a second because I could genuinely feel he actually cared about if I was okay. And I think in this world right now, you know, mental health is becoming a massive challenge for a lot of us. And it's interesting in one of our questions in our employee survey is, do you have a good friend at work? Before COVID, everybody was laughing a little bit about that question. Now suddenly people get it. Do you actually Mm -hmm. have a good friend at work you can reach out to and say, hey, I'm maybe not perfect today. How are you doing? And and just have a conversation. And I think that's very important when we are now all connecting on Zoom or Teams or whatever. Don't just start off with a meeting topic. Have a little casual chat and a conversation. Or sometimes maybe have a Friday afternoon call where it's forbidden to talk about work. What do you say to the skeptics out there who say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all soft stuff. No, it's not being. Are you it's seeing not, the business results? How are you? How are you seeing it in the business results? I live on outcome-based performance, so I don't believe in activity. So I can tell you, first of all, we have one of the highest engagement scores as a company, which was not that in the past. We just been recognized uh, here in North America, you know, in US, a great place to work. I think it's only about five thousand five hundred companies globally that got this kind of you know, certification. It's a great place to work, go in and audit you and look at it. And in Canada, we have similar, you know, achievements up there. So first of all, let's just look at the results. So instead of just listening to whatever, the actual output is profitability has gone up in the company. We're growing in revenue. We have a nice high employee engagement score and we are being recognized by very important companies that this is now a great place to work. When we actually offer employees to join Rico, we have a 97% rate of people accepting the job at Rico. And right now it's, it's difficult to find talent. So first of all, from a, let's just measure it on results. You know, then you can call me soft or whatever you people want to call it, but the results are there. So being being human, being authentic drives profitability. Are you ready to say that? Yeah. You know, you can't force performance anymore. A lot of people will just quit. So you really need to create that environment where they feel empowered. Mm. And and that's really my job. And in my opinion, what we would call servant leadership is to create an environment where we empower employees, where they feel that they are part of a journey. We're working very much on how do we align everybody's kind of objectives so we win together. Or we may fail together sometimes, but that's also okay. But I don't think I would call it being soft. I would just call it being extremely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, it takes a lot of energy. It, it, it's, I'm in bed 9, 9.30. But I love it, and I love it because it's so rewarding when, when you suddenly see the effect of it and the way the employees could connect with you. It's just wonderful. It feels like, and again, people can have a, a laugh about it, it just feels like we're part of a big family. Well, there's the work as a leader, and then there's the emotional work, which yeah. is deeper. And it it is exhausting. Yeah. But 
I think a lot of leaders miss that work and they see themselves working hard, but they aren't willing to go there. And when you are, you're willing to show yourself, be, be more vulnerable, be more open, show yourself in different situations. You're rewarded, rewarded richly because I suspect, I'm just guessing, that since you've modeled this behavior, you're probably seeing it emerge throughout the organization. Yeah. Others. Others are- that's what I've been told, you know, because that's the hardest thing as a leader, in my opinion, if you care is out of 14,000 people, are everybody okay? And, you know, they, it's not like that perfect day every day for everybody, but we definitely see now it's happening and it just has created a ton of energy. And, and I had a coffee with Carsten, was it last week where they just talked about, hey, we're having so much fun working here. And I don't think they tell it to me just to make me happy. Because very often they also give me tough feedback. But it, it's just in a world now where pace of change is going so fast, you know, when you create that environment, you also create what I call an agile mindset. And that means you create an agile organization. You still need a lot of the basic, more, a little bit more boring stuff, create an operating model, structure processes and tools and all that. But it's never stronger than the people you have in that whole system. And today you mm-hmm. need to be extremely agile, have an agile mindset, be, be okay that what we did three months ago won't work tomorrow and just constantly change. We call it sense, innovate, and adapt. Sense what's happening in the world, then innovate, but make sure the rest of the organization will adapt to these changes that are happening. And that kind of helps you get everybody on the journey. Do we still have more work to do? Absolutely. But, you know, it's a journey we're on. When's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career? Although you've given me a really give us a good one with COVID. <laughs> but yeah, it, you can it's, riff on I would that. Say, or, yeah, or, and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? I would say COVID was maybe, you know, the biggest twist. And I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't call it failures. But you know what? When you, if you don't mind, Ben, what I'll give you examples of is when, when you're as, as a young family packing your suitcase 26 years ago from Denmark and fly to England, and you're just sitting there and you've been told, here's a company that's not doing so well, try and fix it. And stepping out of that comfort zone, mm. it just makes you grow. While you're in it, I wouldn't, you maybe make failures in it, but what I'm trying to, Explain here is when you dare step out of your comfort zone, you grow. You don't feel it sometimes in the moment, but afterwards, when you look back, you'll be like, wow, had I stayed in Denmark, you know, then a few years later, it was just my wife and I who packed the suitcases and moved to Japan and Tokyo. And, you know, Sebastian and Caroline stayed in our house in London and Again, stepping out of that comfort zone. I don't think I would be in North America today without having that experience in the past. So instead of calling maybe failure, I I think that I'm sure there was failures on the journey, but it just made me a global citizen and it made me someone who truly appreciate the way I was welcomed in England when I came there, when I moved to Japan move in a very multicultural environment when I start working in, in EMEA as a region and then moving to North America. So one day I'll just sit back and look back and be so grateful 
for so many people I've worked with where I stepped out of that comfort zone and I couldn't do it alone. I married my best friend and, you know, a lot of credit to her for, for being with me on that journey. Because when you talk about mindfulness, you need peace at home. You need to be able to go home and open that door and just feel like, Hey, I'm together with someone who loves me. Yeah. Mm. And you know, I love it to pieces, but you know, what I'm saying is it's just so important to, have an environment where, where you feel good because then you're a great leader. Yeah. I'm, I married my best friend too. And it was, I told my daughter this, that is maybe the most important decision of yeah. my life that I've ever made. And the best one. I Absolutely. hope she feels the same. I think she does. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so many great learnings in there. Gosh. Um, and, and we've got to wrap up here. We have a lot of time, but. For next time, I want I would love to dive into more about your two years in Japan and mm -hmm. uh, living around the globe more and maybe break that down. But we really hit mindfulness so hard, and I think it's such a timely our, our our interviews are evergreen. So I want people ten years from now to be thinking about this. But we have a lot going on in the world. We have. It's an election year. We've got global warming. We got, we have a lot of challenges and we have wars and we have a lot going on. But going back to how you are in the world, what are you choosing to focus on? Because you've still got to get through the day and be a productive person in the world. And uh, I think such just, just a lot of wisdom in this. Uh, Carson, what's your parting thought for our listeners today? First of all, take good care of yourself. You know, I think. You have to, first of all, take good care of yourself because then you're ready to support a lot of other people. Yeah. And we actually, I, I don't know why it became a very natural saying for me if I do a town hall, when I do my coffee with Carsten and I'm out there, I always say, please take good care of yourself and support each other. Yeah. And I think we live in a world right now where that's maybe more important than ever. As you said, it is challenging, but it won't change. And the pace of change can sometimes feel very, very you know, like very daunting and, and challenging for everybody. But if we, as families, as companies in this society, if we just kind of take good care of ourselves, but also support each other, you know what? The world will be a great place. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit. That's benleads.com slash apply. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.